All right, thank you everyone who's tuned in and thank you to all the viewers and subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed, please uh, click on the subscription button and the bell so you can see. And you are watching or listening to Your Journey with Andrew Love. And I have a very uh, special guest, a uh, young lady by the name of um, Aretha Akili Kayan. And she is running for the District 7 in Florida. And her uh, thing is make the South Side great, uh, great again. Oh, black again. Black I say again. black again. My bad. Black again. Because um, she's uh, running for her, trying to help her, her community and the black people who are struggling. And I'm going to introduce her and uh, go ahead and uh, allow her to speak. So, Mr. Mrs. Uh, Aretha, please go ahead and talk to the audience and tell a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, I just want to thank you, Andrew, and um, to your journey and all of your viewers. I um, appreciate being on the show. And um, my name is Erica Akila Canyon. I'm born and raised here in St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm running for District 7 City Council. And um, I'm running on a platform of reparations and economic development to the Black community as a means to genuinely uplift our community and move the city forward. And as mentioned, the platform slogan is Make the South Side Black Again, which is you know, a statement that's opposed to gentrification, the forced removal of the Black community through various types of policies that exist within um, the city. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm 22 years old. And, um, you know, just really excited about, you know, this campaign that's gaining tremendous momentum, you know, nationally and internationally. So, um, again, really appreciate being on your show today. And I'm excited to talk about my platform. Oh, no problem. Because we are most definitely going to talk about your platform and a little bit about, you know, a little bit about the black community as well. Uh, that'll go hand in hand. And in your thing, um, you call the first uh, platform is so we want you to go over and kind of break it down a little bit as much as you want it called the restoration of economic development for a black community throughout my uh what with three reparations so how is that going to work and you know how white people always do yeah it's kind of funny when black people always talking about doing things financially and strangely even though you're running for the for the district you know people say where the money gonna come from all that stuff so you can break down how where the money gonna come from and which people always act like, you know, you know, people are dumb when it comes to money, many black people. And you know how that how that is, they always ask that question, like you go steal or something. So can you go ahead and uh, explain and break it down? Uh, why you think that and how you gonna do it? Well, I think it's really important. Uh, the city of St. Petersburg, Florida, just like every place throughout this country, um, has been built off of the expense of the black community. Um, it, it was stolen and exploited black labor that went to build, you know, what is currently the city of St. Pete's economy, that there would be no um, economy, a thriving economy where the city of St. Pete has a, a budget flushed with over $700 million, where, um, you know, the city of St. Pete has a thriving tourist industry and all these different kinds of things. Those things wouldn't exist without the labor and exploitation of the black community. And, you know, it was our community, my people that paved the streets that white people get to drive on today, that worked in the hotels, cleaned the hotel bathrooms that white people get to enjoy today, that, you know, cleaned the bedpans of white nursing homes, you know, cooked in white people's restaurants and all this kinds of, all these things, um, you know, performed at, you know, white clubs and brought an audience. And, you know, it's always been at the expense of my community to which the white community has been able to thrive. And of course, that's not something that just happened 50 years, 100 years ago. This is something that has 
you know, affect the black community today, economically, um, socially, and otherwise, the black community is still suffering from, you know, the legacy of, you know, being exploited, of being oppressed. And, you know, the black population here in the city of St. Pete, you know, is under attack. There's a war being waged by this government against the black community we're being pushed out every single day through this process of gentrification you know through through all these different means that black people have tried to come together and create something for ourselves the government has systematically crushed um, any means of the black community um, you know coming together to collectively try to feed clothes and house ourselves there was an instance where um, the black community you know um, lived it was a historic black community called the gas plant district where there was a hundred black owned businesses, you know, 300 homes and 800 people that lived on this land. There were black graveyards, um, you know, on this land and it's 85 acres of land that was stolen from the black community where there was, you know, an economy there that could have been built upon that could have flourished, but the city government crushed it. They raised it and put a baseball dome over um, the gas plant district and paved the parking lot over those graveyards, black graveyards. And, um, you know, and, and now the black community that existed there isn't there today. There aren't a hundred black businesses in the city of St. Pete. You know, the conditions for black people today are worse than they were 50 years ago. Um, so we're saying reparations because one reparations is acknowledging that a wrong has been committed. A crime has been committed against the black community and the city of St. Pete, again, is not special from any place throughout this country. The whole country knows what it has done to black people in order for it to get where it is today. St. Pete has to admit that a crime has been committed against the black community, that the crimes are continuing to happen as a result of a system that was, that came into being based on these crimes. And that in order to genuinely overturn it, you have to pay reparations. The city of St. Pete owes reparations to the black community. And if any politician, if any public official is not saying that, then they don't mean it when they say they wanna go forward. They want a city where everybody can thrive. They don't mean it, it's a lie um, because you don't unite with the question of reparations. And so what that means tangibly one, like I said, this city government, um, the budget is flush, you know, set over $700 million. The money's going to come from that budget because the money in that budget came from exploited black labor. And those resources have to go, a mass infusion of capital have to go back into the black community in order for us to create economic institutions, in order for us, you know, to create what it is the black community desires. Um, which is something that will sustain our community for the long haul, not no charity, no welfare programs that don't last nobody and, you know, don't last a meaningful amount of time, but something that will genuinely sustain the black community in the long run. We want the return of that dome, that 85 acres of land back to the black community into a reparations land trust so that then our community gets to determine what happens to that land. We want to build genuine affordable housing. There's an affordable housing crisis in the city of St. Pete and black people are being gentrified. We want to create genuine units of affordable housing to tell all those black people that had to leave back in you know, the late 80s, early 90s to come back home. That St. Pete, you know, make the South Side black again, come back home. We want to reverse the effects of gentrification. And again, want to build economic institutions, create a thriving, economically prosperous black community. Um, and that's what reparations look like and it's possible and the only reason why white people and the ruling class would say that reparations isn't possible practically philosophically we agree with it but practically it's not possible is because of you know the fact that 
you know, if they tell you that, then you won't fight for it. But of course we have a plan. We said, this is what it's going to look like. And um, it's more, it's, it's so, it's tangible. If they can spend, you know, one fifth of the city's budget on police, they could defund the police and put that, re put those resources towards reparations and economic development for the black community. So, um, you know, that's what it looks like. And it's not just one payout check. It's an ongoing process. It's ongoing working to overturn the oppression of the black community. That has to be the commitment of the city. So. I agree. I agree 100%. I don't think it's just the city. I, you know, it's really the whole USA. Like I said, it's a formula that you have that every city should adopt around America because I, I know you're just uh, mainly doing the discuss what you're running for, but the plan you have is a plan that's universal in every city, every community, in every state. And I agree with you 100% um, because I believe that the tax dollars, sadly, is that it's on the back of people who are working class, who's middle class, who's poor, who's working two or three jobs to make it. And the test is not a benefit uh, to people like me and you. And let's face it, and not just black people, whoever is poor in the community as well, living in the community, if they're Mexican or white, no matter. But, you know, we all know once it, if it benefits black, it's going to automatically benefit everyone else. So we don't really have to necessarily say white or this. And the, the thing about it is a lot of media people say, what about this, this? Well, the thing about it is everybody knows historically, if you have a black agenda plan, you know they automatic, it's automatically help all the other nationalities. So exactly. We have exactly. And so, exactly. and so I understand it's, it's, it's not a, just a one-time thing because after 200 years of slavery, hard work and labor, um, you know, even like the, the, amount of, the amount of billions of dollars, that's just a scratch of the surface about all that. And because like I said, uh, there's other people begin reparations that wasn't even enslaved that America don't want to talk about. When it, a lot of people don't know and study, so a lot of people don't understand. But when you under, I understand you did your research. You understand that reparations have been given to other people who's not black, even to the slight form of slave owners. They used to have slaves. They gave they getting reparations of money as a loss. No, but so you mm -hmm. actually, you're paying for the loss of slavery, something that you're against, which don't make any sense. That's like paying a, mm -hmm. a thief the money he stole. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Exactly. That's stupid. <laughs> You know, because countries, so if you get slave, why would you pay the slave owner for having slaves if you if you just said it was wrong to have slaves? Mm -hmm. Right. That's how disingenuous it is. Yeah. Right. And the sad thing about it is the reason I like this platform, I call your journey, and the main thing my journey, your your journey is or for this platform is to bring different subjects. If you have looked at, I know you probably saw some of my videos. I, my job is to bring people like you and other people who have get different ideas to educate people. Or to see life in a bigger, broader way than what we normally see it and understand what's really going on. And like I said, yeah. all the things we're doing, we're really under a war, a, a political war that a lot of black people don't see. A lot of people think it's a war, think it's a physical fight, but you can fight financially and financially the war is on. And, and we've been on this war for a very long time. And it seems to me that all, most of, you know, a lot of people of color are deceived by music and television or other things than what's really going on. We, we too busy worried about sports and entertainment. Uh, which is a, a a classification that put a lot of black people in, but most of like I said, this country built on on not just on uh, civil rights leaders, but if you look at all the inventors and the people who invented things that they stole our goods from, like stoplights and refrigerator and AC units, that a lot of black people invented. Even they just brought out that uh, like Jack Day was invented by what came up from a black man and he gave it to a white man, and the white man made money off of. It. But they just not bring that out. Look all the money I made, you know. With, Man, they what they gonna do about it. But I'm just saying this country would not would be here in advance is where we are, what happened to free labor slaves and stole and 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 inventions that we came up with. 
And a lot of people, black people don't know who are many inventors that's been out here. If they really search the history deep, man, that's a lot of things that we need to be, the, uh, we need to pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coming from, you agree. <laughs> yeah. And we have to be able to use all that genius and all the brilliance of our community to benefit our community, our people, which is what it's never been able to do. Our labor, our talents and everything have gone to benefit someone else and someone else's economy at our own expense. So, you know, we've been able to prop up the white community. The white community is now being pushing us out um, as a consequence. So, um, you know, this is, this is what, yeah, I just, I totally unite with what you just said. And um, we have to be able to now use our own labor, our own genius to benefit our own people. Right. So. And I will make sure I put our description link, like, like, you know, just like uh, Philip did shots to Philip, Philip on a diaspora uh, television network. And I will put all your links so people can donate. People need to donate to you. I need to donate to you for now. They need to donate to everybody who's on the, who's sincere about reparations, not just talking to just to get a pay, but who's sincere. And from, from you and all the way up to the president, they need to, we need to donate money. Unfortunately, it's a money hungry system and people, and they, one thing about people such as you, they're hoping people like you, Mary Wilson, and other people who's sincere get pushed out because they know a lot of people who's coming forth now are people who's, coming struggling from the economic thing, they're hoping that you don't have enough finance to get to the platform where people can hear you. But they're afraid of that. Yeah. But think about it, thanks to social media and, and various donations, people all around the world and all around the country can donate to you, not just necessarily people in the city. So that, right. that's, that's a brilliance of, of, of social media and the platform of how we can uh, generate income to help people. And not just helping you, but it helps everybody. Because once you start catching on, it would it help every city eventually a period of time. So people need to look at the bigger picture and I just see that this is one small district. This is this can be global, right? All of America and all over the world for black for black people. Right. Okay, right. and next down for the go and get to number two because I want because mm-hmm. you know people got short attention spans, <laughs> even though it's good information. Um, the end. It's at the end of the anti-black, uh, undemocratic rig election system in Saint Petersburg. We need a real single member district election in this mm-hmm. year. But can you elaborate on which mean by democratic read? So the the way the elections work here, um, and I just have to give it a little context. So currently there are um the city of St. Pete is separated into eight districts and I'm running for district seven. Um and there used to be pri- there used to be at least three majority black districts. Um however, due to a process uh what we call gerrymandering which is, you know, using um, a census, uh, uh, you know, basically like population, a census to justify carving up a district and then taking out parts of it and then putting other parts of it in. And then you change the demographic of that district so that it votes in favor of, you know, whoever it is at that, whoever it is the ruling class is running. So um, gerrymandering has essentially beat, like it has diminished the black vote and you know the black community's power in any of these districts. So the black community always gets outvoted, even when we are concentrated in a district. So District Seven is the last a majority black district. It's sixty three percent black, and um, you know if we don't fight against gentrification and do what it is we're doing today, that will certainly decrease. Um, you know the black population in this district. Uh, which encompasses what we call the South Side. 
And, um, you know, also through gentrification, this is also how they push the black community out. We also know that, you know, with the whole question of felony convictions and how they, you know, another form of voter suppression in the black community is they slap black people with felony convictions, throw us in prison, and then, you know, take away our ability to vote. And even though um, the people in Florida voted for uh, the right of uh, felons restoration, of rights restoration, you know, the, the legislature essentially like vetoed the will of the people and was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. We're going to add all these different stipulations in here, you know, making it practically impossible. So um, we're dealing with that form of voter suppression, but how the elections work here in the city, we have a nonpartisan election, but we have two elections. Now you only see a primary and a general in a partisan race, you know, but this is a nonpartisan election and they have a primary and a general. The primary election is a, what they call a single member district election, which means the district gets to vote on who they want to represent them. Now, the two, but what they do is they get the two top vote getters in a district and then they send them into the general election. Now, the general election, then the two top vote getters of a district have to appeal to the entire city in order to win that district seat. Now, the, you know, what makes it rigged and anti-Black is that the majority of the people in this city are white, that the, this is a majority white population. The Black community represents 23% of this city's population. And we're concentrated in District 7. So what happens is we run in District 7 on a platform that speaks to the Black community's interests, but now, but come the general election, now we have to speak to white people, which means your platform, your message, and everything has to change if you even had that platform in the first place. You know, it's expected to change, so now that you can appeal to white people, and white people ultimately get to determine what it is the Black community, who it is the Black community will have to represent them. Despite the fact that black, the Black community has voted, I want this person to represent me, white people at the end of the day get to be the deciding factor. That's rigged. You know, the Black community doesn't actually have any political power, any voting, uh, voting ability whatsoever. The vote for the Black community doesn't really ma matter at the end of the day when the white population is the one that gets to determine the outcome of a district. So we're saying that that's rigged. We want to end the two election system. We want a genuine single member district election where only the district gets to vote on who they want to represent them, not the entire city. And that, you know, we also want to reverse the effects of gerrymandering. We want to return the districts back to their original um, lines prior to gerrymandering them. And, um, you know, that through this process then, you know, voting and, you know, Black people being able to exercise any political power through voting, it'll actually be able to be genuinely represented. But right now, that's not what it is. And, um, you know, that's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because then as a Black woman who wants to run on a platform that speaks to the Black community, now I have to worry about if white people going to like what I have to say or not. And I can't be worried about that. I have to fight for the Black community, because that's who I'm intending to represent. That's who I'm talking to every single day. So, um, you know, and then we end up, what happens is if we get a bunch of sellouts, you know, who, you know, are black, but they go and they talk to white people and they speak to white people and they say what white people like to hear. And of course, that's not, that's not a genuine, that's not an honest person who's trying to represent the black community. So we want to end that.
and that more black people, especially black working class people will be able to run for office on a platform that speaks to our interests. Because right now how it works is you gotta be rich and you gotta be favored by white people in order to win an election. And that's not how it's supposed to work. And so we wanna change that. So that's why it's that high on our platform. Man, this that is wonderful. Now I'm glad you, you pointed out you broke it down so 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 beautiful and so so smoothly where anybody can understand it. And, and you broke it down so smooth that a lot of people don't understand. And this you, you just just not only just your only city, there's other all cities around America has been done like that. I heard this before, but I didn't know it was like in every city. So basically it's probably like that in every city because um they are worn it down with the numbers and playing with playing with like I said, playing with the dishes, make sure your voice don't get heard. Make sure the, the people who not your code is not going to agree because black people and white people, no offense, even though we all humans, we all live in a different world, have a different perspective. And those people don't see it that way. They don't necessarily mean you're racist, but nine times out of 10, the perspective of a white, white, the idea of what white people have is not benefit <laughs> in the perspective of black people because they've been programmed that way. So I'm not saying you necessarily, no offense to white people, I'm not saying that you're racist, but there is a program of racism that you might have adopted, you know, that you not know is racist. You understand, uh, you understand where I'm coming from, don't you, Aretha? You've been raised a certain way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know people, white people say, well, I'm not racist. Well, you're not intentionally racist, but you might have ideals of what's right and what's wrong mm-hmm. that does not benefit the culture of other people. Mm-hmm. People can see that as being racist because you're not open to what other cultures are going through, like black people and Hispanic. If you're not open and don't understand a world and you want to see it from your perspective that can be considered as, is is a form of racism and which is very strongly for a lot of people, white people or people who are not black say, I, I don't see it that way. That's good. You don't have to see it that way. That's because you don't see it that way. That means it's not true. And you could be blind. That's one reason why you don't see it. Right. Right. So I got to tell people that, but the other lady that's in a, I can't remember her name right now, but she's in district five and you have, and I'm glad that you have, you know, have someone you could kind of to, you know, from another dish that you kind of, you know, back up a little bit. And I know she's a white lady. I don't remember her name. What's her name? Her name Ann Hirsch. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad for people like Ann Hirsch because if she's sincere, I'm pretty sure she is. You wouldn't be, you know, uh, standing side by side with her. We need more people like her as well. And I know it sounds kind of sad, but we need people like the Mary Wilson. And no offense for two reasons. They're white and no offense, but a lot of black people have been trusting white people for so long that we need all the hip. You know, I'm not being, you know, I'm saying we've been programmed to trust Mm -hmm. white Jesus, Eastman, Santa Claus. We've been programmed for so long that we need people, the good white folks, as people would say, on our side. Because if she can get through, she can bring other people along who actually is not racist and do understand the struggle of black people. We need people like that. So I, I do it. Uh, want people within her district or in also donate and vote for her as well. She's sincere, and I believe she is because if more people in different districts who's on the same page, there's more help. We don't look there as nothing bad, we look there as a positive. Don't you mm-hmm. agree, Aretha? Yeah, and um, you know, and Hirsch won her campaign works under the leadership of my campaign and of the black working class. So She's not, you know, just some white woman functioning off of her own goodwill. She's running under our leadership. And, um, you know, we feel like that's really important because, you know, as, as good as white people feel that they are, that, you know, white people have to, if, you know, stand, if you're going to stand in solidarity with 
and uphold the demands of the black community, we find it really important to be under the leadership of the black community. And, um, and is it really important, represents a really important strategy that, um, you know, this strategy, by the way, of even running for office on a reparations platform comes from the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru Movement, um, which is an international revolutionary organization and um, where we're headquartered in St. Petersburg, Florida, whose leader and founder is Chairman Amalia Shitella. And, um, you know, you might have heard his name and he's a, you know, um, he's a he's the international leader of the African Revolution. But, you know, the strategy behind, you know, these two campaigns running alongside each other is for and to represent the white population that stands in solidarity with the black community, that stands in solidarity with these demands, because we aren't naive. We are going up against a majority white city in the general election. And Anne is a regular white woman who wants to see justice in the city of St. Pete. And she is able to speak to other white people who have her same position, but don't know what to do. And, you know, are good meaning, you know, good meaning people, but have no clue, you know, what it is that they can even do to change this situation. That white people, you know, that they don't want to be gentrifiers. White people don't want to live at the expense of the black community. White people don't, white people see themselves um, being pushed out. You know, if they're white working people, they see themselves being pushed out, their businesses getting bought up. They're experiencing what it is that we um, are in the black community. It's just, it starts with what happened to us. And, and, the, and the effects that it has on white people. Because, you know, what happened to black people happened, you know, it, it, it affects the environment. You know, uh, white people today, um, especially in the city of Pinellas County, you know, um, high rates of opioid addiction and alcohol addiction, you know, in the white community. And that's because they're running away from all of this horrible stuff that's happening to the people that starts with the black community. So white people can be one to the demands of the black community. Because as you said, it benefits everyone. If the black community is prospering, everyone gets to prosper. And um, you know, that's what this whole thing is about. So and represents a strategy, um, your, you know, the strategy of going into the white community and winning this demand among white people. And um, even like you said, some black people will be won by seeing uh, Anne Hirsch because sometimes they got to just hear a white person say it sometimes. But, you know, um, but that's the strategy. She has to talk to white people and that's what's happening. And we're seeing hundreds of white people unite with these demands in the city. So the strategy is working. Yes. And the, re the, re the main reason I said that because in you know, the program system for, for black people have any hope, black people have got to the point that they're giving up. They, cause you know, if they can see is white dominance, white this. So when, people, when black people say, Oh, we don't have a chance to this, or we don't have a chance of that. We don't have a chance because then, you know, they always say the word them or those of the front white people, like all of them, all of them was holding us down was not, but it's the psychological say they ain't gonna let, but I see white people saying it, that gives them a sense of hope saying, okay, well, some white people see into where we've seen it. Maybe we do have a chance. Maybe we do have a, a hope. Maybe we do have a chance because we got some, some white people on our side as allies, and that does benefit. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, it helps the white people and the black people on both sides, which is was a smart strategy. Not only that, like you said yourself, when it gets down to it and the way the system designed, that some white people begin to wake up and thank God they are. There are the system is designed racist as well. But also, they also white people are also realizing is that for us, is we got two things against us: is our color, our skin, and the lack of money. But they also white people also realize no, it's not just about the color of the skin; it's also about money. Because there's a lot of poor white people, and what they call trash and all that stuff, they are getting used too, and they would eventually get pushed to the side because they have lack of incomes by power and control. 
So a lot of white people say, oh, it's not just about color, it's also about power control, which is true. So if they wake up and not band with the, let's see, because the, the people with the money and power, they smart. They love to to make the white people think when white people begin, re, begin to realize is that you better than the black people. And they say, why don't we ain't better? Because we, 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 once you get finished done with them, you going to do us the same way financially. So they're going to wake up and say, hold on now, that's not black people, so we are now such financially too. And they have a reason, and that's crazy for us to suffer because, you know, when it comes to white supremacy, white supremacy also gets, gets white people too, especially white people who team up with, with, with black people. They consider it's, it's outcast and traitor. But they want to do is it's like some people, it's like some people who are white, they want the white people to feel like they, they better off not being black or or feel like, you know, uh, even though you know, even though you're white, you know you still got it better. But now white people get realize, I don't know, we don't got it better, you know, because we get the same treatment financially is done to us because we poor, and we getting pushed in the same corner as black people. And we got a lot of people, white people, like you said, who just want to do good. Who don't mean no harm, who don't understand our culture. But since they do need some leadership, it takes a lot for her to submit or any white person to submit under black people, which is very rare, sincerely. <laughs> Because she would be looked as an outcast, but in the whole thing, she have, at least she have enough sense to understand how to all know everything. And a lot of white people who who don't know need to educate. Say, so can you help me? Because I'm not racist. I'm not trying to be put in racist. How can I help you so I can help me? So we help everybody. And that's the mindset. Because at the end of the day, is there's a lot of people who's not racist in America, but they don't know. Like I said, they don't know what to do to help or how they fit in or what they can do to help. You know what I'm saying? Because they are oppressed financially or, or politically as well. And so I'm glad that y'all have that. Uh, you have it sit like that, and you continue to do those. Because I see some people um, that did some, some interviews with uh, y'all interview I saw on your page for district. Even though there's some people with our color on there, I don't trust some the way they look, their body language. Mm-hmm. I don't think they for us just because our color. I see them as the booker, right. the, the sugar bookers that's running for president. I don't trust for one one ounce. You can look right. at that. He, right. he maybe black on the outside, but he's. No offense, is a sold out coon all inside. He look like a coon. No offense, I ain't, I ain't call you can't call. I know you can call people because you gotta have a certain integrity to hold up. I'm an everyday sense. I'm not. I ain't. I don't got no suit necktie. I ain't trying to be political. But I know you gotta, <laughs> you gotta hold a certain standard so people see you as what they call uh being professional. Whoever here professional, I mean, because professional really about my money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's definitely the class interest. Um you know, here, because what we're fighting for is the future of the black working class. And that's where the demands are coming from, you know, and that, um, you know, the black middle class, uh, you know, the sellouts, these are all different things that we have to fight against because they represent the interests of the white ruling class. So they are carrying out the will of the, the capitalist elite and because of the crumbs that they get, you know, from it. So this is their come up that they've made. And we're up against all of those too. That's why, so when you see black people who are out there talking like white people, they, you know, represent a uh, class interest and it's not the black working class. So this is a black working class campaign, you know? Yeah. And I tell you what crumbs are getting. I, I tell you what they like. I know coons like nuts and they like white man nuts. And I tell you what crumbs are getting. They crumbs off the butt cheeks of the white men. Them the crumbs they eat. And now them the only crumbs they really eat. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. They eat the butt, butt cheek crumbs they eat. That's how I look at it. <laughs> and and I, I'm pretty sure you like I said I'm gonna say it though you can't I know you gonna say it. you very I like how you tell you very you know exactly how to say the right things to the right people and get the point across without having being like I'm up front like I'm being okay let's move on to number three because listen I I love this interview and I'm actually enjoying what you hear what you're saying because you are educate me as well <laughs> I'm for real I don't know everything you I'm learning from you 
I, that's why I love interviewing people because I learn from the people I'm interviewing. And it's amazing. And I, and I like how you be yourself. I like when you be yourself and just and, and see you real. You connect with me and everybody. I don't care what color you can connect. All right, now number one. Uh, number not one. We're going on number three. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a good one. And the gentrification of the black community. Create genuine, affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole make the South Side black again slogan because the South Side used to be black and that every today... You know, you can leave for a week, go on vacation for a week and come back and there. Your your community looks completely transformed. You know, I was born and raised here and I'm only, you know, 22 years old. So I didn't even experience some of the major, uh, you know, instances of like gentrification. Like I mentioned, the dome, you know, destroying the gas plant, you know, and like, you know, building an interstate through a black business district that we had and drying up all these businesses. You know, there's a historic black community that we have here called Jordan Park. That was actually the land was donated to the city by a black man named elder jordan who donated that land to create um affordable and dignified housing for black people and um he also you know um uh donated the uh, money to the city that saved the city from economic depression and this is the legacy of elder jordan and they're kicking out residents of jordan park today because they're trying to expand um this development that they have going on where they're building up all of these high rises and luxury apartments and condominiums for, you know, rich white people, for tourists coming out of town, you know, for people who just want to come see the beach, you know, like this is the kind of stuff that they're building. And they're, you know, they are going from where we call downtown and they're just expanding and pushing it into the South side black community. So, you know, we want to end that gentrification. Uh, We want to end the development of all those high rises and condos. And we want to create genuine affordable housing. Um, as mentioned, there's a crisis, like in almost every article that comes out in the paper today is talking about, you know, affordable housing. It, we're in a crisis right here in St. Pete because there are there is none. You know, that the average two-bedroom apartment here costs $1,400. And that's higher than East New York. Um, and, you know, like people, like the Black, like the average Black household is spending 54% of their income towards rent you know that's more than half of their income going towards rent and you know we know how expensive everything else is you know just to be able to live and put food on the table and drive a car and all those kinds of things i mean black people at the end of the day won't have any money to do anything for themselves um you know and everything is just spent to trying to to survive and pay the bills so you know we need genuine affordable housing like i mentioned the dome we want to take some of that take that land you know, build units with affordable housing on it. We want to stop the big developers from coming into the city and buying up everything that exists. Um, every plot of land and, and intimidating elderly Black people trying to take their homes. And when Black people don't want to sell, you know, then they call code enforcement and all this type of stuff on them. You know, we want to end that kind of predatory developer speculation in the city. Um, and, you know, that's that comes with reparations and economic development because now you have to reprioritize the city you have to say i'm not gonna let a big developer come in here and build another condo when the people need affordable housing if a developer wants to build here then they need to be trying to build units of affordable housing that's what they need to be trying to build and um you know like i said we want to halt gentrification and through this process we want to reverse its effects we want black people to come back to the city of saint pete we want black people to come back to the south side um but yeah it's very critical because gentrification is brutal it's deadly 
And it doesn't just look like you're being priced out of your home, which is what's happening to a lot of people today. But it looks like the police in your community brutalizing black people on a daily basis, increased police occupation. You got more and more police ending up in your community to facilitate this process of pushing us out. And like I said, it looks like code enforcement being called on elderly black people because the paint chip here and all this kind of stuff or these land speculators calling your grandmama every single day trying to buy her home, you know? And then it's, it looks like poverty in your community so that, you know, you have nothing in your community. And, you know, for people who can, don't have a job here, the only means um, that they can make some money is by selling their house. So all of these things contribute to gentrification. So we want to end it, which requires reparations, economic development, and a, a, the creation of, you know, units of, of affordable housing and abundance of them. And that relieves pressure on the housing market. So now the prices of rent go down for everybody else in the city. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And that's the only logical uh, solution to ending um, gentrification and solving the affordable housing crisis. Again, if any of these politicians say they're trying to solve affordable housing without reparations, it's, you know, they're lying. They're not actually trying to do any of that. Um, it's just, a, it's smoke and mirrors um, to try to pacify the people for um, as long as they can while they're building up another condo. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's offensive. And this is the only solution. That is true. And another thing I want to point out, too, is where all that you said is 100% true and accurate. And let me tell y'all people something. This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say something that's, just, that's you know, maybe not popular in demand, but I'm going to do it anyway. But anyway, I'm going to make this statement real quick. Another thing I like to say is I also know uh, people who are in real estate business also understand this. When a person can't afford to pay their land tax or property, Somebody can come on and buy it under their nose real cheap, like catch up on the taxes of the land that other people cannot afford little as nothing on that land. You know where I'm coming from? So that's mm -hmm. one way of, of, of pushing people out as well. I'm pretty sure they do that in the city too. They find out oh, we well, can't pay. You know, you can go, you can, somebody can pay up and buy your land right from under your, under your nose, but you cannot afford to pay the taxes on it. They do this all over America to people. Yeah. And that's one way of pushing them out too as well. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's all these different ways that they're using it to right. push black people out of the city. I am, wouldn't doubt it. Okay, now I'm going to make a statement that's probably going to be a little strange to a lot of people, and I'm going to go and put it out there. Let's be real with this with this poverty thing. Uh, I understand that affordable housing is very important because I'm going to tell you something, poverty is, 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 is one of the reasons of, of most of the crime in the cities, anywhere in, in America. Because what poverty do is force people to do things illegally to make a certain amount of money, fast, easy money, because there is no jobs in the city. Right. And right. a politician do, they make rules to lock these people up forever, work free in the prison, making shoes, Nikes, and all this stuff for free, and send it back to the public. Now, the funny thing about this is, is we're getting real serious now, people. Now, I want all y'all listening, and this is not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not something I recommend anybody to save, especially with you, Mr. Uh, Aretha. And this is what I'm going to say. I understand the people got to do what they got to do to survive. I don't judge people who got to do what they got to do to survive, whether it's a regular job, full-time job, part-time job, legal job, or illegal job. This is why I want all the people who watch this program and listen to it on podcasts, if I, if I upload this on my podcast. And this is this. When we got a person like Aretha who's running and you do what you got to do to make money, I understand that. I'll encourage all of y'all who's doing whatever they may be doing to make money 
to donate at least a dollar or two to Aretha campaign so she can help benefit you and your community where you will not have to fall in the traps and the snares of what the system had designed for you to keep living in so they can continue to lock you up. Mm-hmm. And this is going to part number six is what we're going to get to a little bit when I go on down the list is this. I understand that the truth of the matter is people sell drugs. Women's sell their body. They might be selling it right now to do what they got to do to put food on their table and a roof over their head. And that's the, that's the, that's the real issue that's, that's going on. The real wars here in America, nobody really care about what's going on in other countries. The average everyday struggling American don't care about Russia, Japan, China, anything. What they care about is their house home first. Everything starts home first. And if you ain't taking care of home, nobody will care about what kind of stupid war America is trying to fight next week because we're trying to survive for today. Or we're going to other countries and other, you know, other countries. Who cares? They all want to talk about we're going to other countries. Who's doing nuclear war testing? Who blah, blah, blah. War testing. We're trying to get some food on the table. We're trying to pay our bills. We might not be living long enough to see no during war tests and no war coming. So the average everyday person is worried about their first, their household, they buy their families, and they help. That's the number one thing anybody, any human being anywhere around the world should be concerned about. We're not concerned about all these stupid policies, the foreign policy that they have in place that has nothing to do with us. It all has something to do with the benefit of power control and making money that you are not getting. And I think Eric, you know what I'm saying? So wherever you're doing, where if you Whatever you're doing to make that money, because you go do it anyway, because we grow, legal or illegal, you get some money, you find a way to donate to Aretha in District 7 and to Miss Ann in District 5. Donate, and not just her, but everybody else who's down sincerely for reparations. Donate at least a dollar. If, if you can just donate a dollar a month, uh, everybody, I don't know how many people in that city or, or how many, or if you're black or white, if you're down for that, just donate a dollar or two per month, per week. It's not a whole lot of money. Sincerely do what you got to do. And I know a lot of people will say, hey, you tell people sell drugs, do this. I'm saying do what you normally do to make money and donate to people who's going to benefit you so you will not be living the condition that you're still living in. That's what we need to do. And that's anywhere in America and all over the world. All right, Miss Aretha, anything you want to say? Don't <laughs> forget to go to the next question. Uh, oh, no, we can. I I just appreciate the call. <laughs> As I'm being honest. <laughs> it's not, this is a, this is a, like I said, it's a black working class campaign. And um, this is not backed by the big developers. You know, my, the incumbent, my opponent, she got all the big dollars in her pocket because they want her to win. So she can c- continue to carry out the crimes being committed against our community. So we're fighting up against all of that. And they're the ones with millions of dollars. So this is really, really critical. Um, I agree. Whatever you can give, whatever you can do to support, we need it, you know. Yes, yes, ma'am. Anesimus, you touched on a little bit about the police. It's a black community control of the police, black community control of the police. And I know, I'll say this real quick. As God so not gonna say it, just because they're your color, <laughs> I mean your brother. So let's be a little bit more clear about what we could say black police. We don't want the black people who go show out. We don't want those in the community. No, that's no, it's not a call for more black police officers within the St. Petersburg Police Department. That's not what this is a call for. Okay. Because we know that the St. Pete Police Department, no matter who what who it who it is functioning as police, that whole police entity has a certain purpose and they serve a purpose in our community looking for 
um, you know, trouble, creating trouble and, you know, arresting and pushing out black people from our community. And that includes, you know, other black people who join that, that, uh, the police department. So black people control the police. I want to, um, reference something you just mentioned actually about the creation of, you know, the whole situation of crime, like why, why does crime exist? And, you know, because a lot of, um, you know, when anybody talks about crime, immediately they point the finger to the black community and they just slander our community, they slander our people, they slander young people. The reason why such and such is happening, you're poor, whatever, because you're sagging your pants, because you're out here, you know, um, you know, just what, whatever, whatever it is that they can uh, blame our community for, that, that's just they use it to attack our community. And then they go, that's why we need more police, because public safety is in jeopardy, these black teens are out of control, and, you know, so in order to solve this problem, you know, or black people are killing themselves. So the only way to solve this problem is through more police. And that's always been a solution, not just here in St. Pete, but everywhere, you know, the solution to quote unquote crime has always been more police. And I put crime in quotes because, you know, they slap our community with all these false charges and they're preying on our community every single day. And, you know, Meanwhile, like you said, our community is just doing what it can to do to survive because these are the conditions that have been imposed on us. We didn't ask for this. We woke up one morning. We didn't have food in our fridge. And despite our mamas and daddies working two, three jobs, uh, you know, we still don't got no money. So we're the hardest working people in the city. We still don't have any resources. And we're competing amongst each other for the limited amount of resources that we have. So, of course, what you see then is all this conflict all these contradictions within the black community because we're all fighting each other for a limited amount of resources while the white community is eating based on the labor it is that we give the white community is eating based on all the stolen labor and resources from our community and you know that's that's where the fight is so you know they blame our communities and they call us a criminal a, a community of criminals um in fact the incumbent the woman i'm running against called my community a community of drug dealers and murderers you know that sounds like trump you know, like this is the kind of slander that is, um, a, you know, imposed on my community. And then the incumbent says, and she also has the endorsement of the police here, um, you know, but then she says, that's why we need to work with the police. We need to send in tips. And, you know, she supports a public policy of police containment versus a policy of reparations and economic development, which is a positive policy for the black community which will begin to solve the problems and employ black people um, and, you know, be able to create uh, an, a legitimate economy in our community where we're not, we're no longer competing amongst each other for resources. We're working together to generate resources. And, um, you know, so, and when we say black community control the police, because we believe that public safety is an issue, the public safety of the black community, while the black community is, again, a war is being waged on our people and we're being attacked by the police, we're being attacked by this government and our safety is in jeopardy. Because as I mentioned, gentrification is dangerous and it is deadly and black people are suffering and being brutalized as a consequence. That's, you know, that, that is harming the public safety of the black community. Black community control of the police means that we get to hire, fire, train, and discipline those who function within our community as the police. That we, they have to live in our community. We have to know who these people are and in order to be able to take up the responsibility of protecting our community. And that a part of black community control of the police is deconstructing the relationship that the 
current police force that works and operates um, in the interest of the city government, that we deconstruct that relationship. That we, you know, that the relationship that the police have with us now is to maintain a situation of oppression of the black community. That's what they're here for. So that the white community can continue all of its development while the black community continues to starve, while the black community continues to be pushed out. The police are protecting that reality. We wanna deconstruct that relationship. That's what reparations and economic development will do. That means that more money instead, um, and instead of going to the police is going to the black community so that we can feed, clothe, and house ourselves. So that's what black community control of the police looks like. And again, it's to protect, you know, and, and, and to ensure the public safety of the black community and to end the hostile character of the police force against the black community. And um, you know, the last thing I wanted to say in regards to this, um, you know, black community control of the police and, you know, how, you know, what this whole thing, it's a just democratic demand, again, to defend the lives of the black community and that the real criminals are the people in city hall today, are the ones who are in office and they're not the ones being arrested because gentrification is a crime. Gentrification is genocide. You know, that this is what it looks like. Preying on elderly black people for their homes is a crime. Like that is criminal. You know, um, you know depriving the community of resources is criminal. You know, there the mayor um, today, you know, there was a huge sewage spill of 1 billion gallons of sewage was leaked into the black community and the Tampa Bay at large here. And um, the Florida Wildlife Commission found that there were over 80 felonies and over 100 misdemeanors committed in that case by the mayor. And he is not, he is still the mayor of this city. I don't know any black person who can commit one felony and not be behind bars today. That man committed over 80 felonies and is the mayor of St. Petersburg, Florida, is passing policy in this city today. That's the real criminal. You know what I mean? The criminal is not the black community. And, um, you know, so that's black community control of the police in a nutshell. And, you know, the nuts and bolts obviously will have to be worked out. What would that look like and how the black community control that? Um, we'll be able to lay all that all those stuff out. But the fact of the matter is we get to have this conversation with this platform and we get to develop um, you know, black community control of the police versus, you know, what it is that we experience today. So, you know, that's what that looks like. Most definitely, most definitely, most definitely. Like I said, um the, all the criminals, they the one that wearing a little suit and neckties telling you we want to hear they liars as well. Exactly. They, they, they lie good and they still lay. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. they all done. We vote them right on in and we keep fighting for the same okay that I don't understand. In your opinion, real quick, why do you think black people continue to follow for the <laughs> follow for their lives all the years of voting that we fought hard to vote? And yet we just seem to keep voting for the people who's not the best interest. Why? Well, um, I think there's two aspects of this because one, you know, when I'm when I'm going door to door. One thing that we do is we activate a lot of people who've never voted in their lives. And that that is not um, an indictment or a criticism of my community. Because there's a reason why we wouldn't go out there and vote. Because what is to vote for? What? what? Like, who has a platform that speaks to our interests? And anybody that we've ever elected and put in office, they've never done anything for our community. So we've, we've totally, like, turned our backs on the electoral arena as a means for making any headway um, and for the Black community, because it's never panned out that way. And again, 
there's no platform other than right now where it spoke to the black community's interest. Nobody's saying reparations, nobody's saying end gentrification, everybody's just saying the same old thing that they've been hearing for years that don't actually get to the root of the problem. So there's that one aspect. And then, like I said, there's the class interest. So, you know, those, I mean, there, there are people who are, um, you know, who are out there voting, who are, you know, really genuinely good, well-meaning people and just don't know, don't know what to vote for. And, you know, because the, the criminals cloak themselves in the progressive, you know, the Democratic Party, the progressives, and, you know, that's what they paint themselves as, but they're no better than any Republican. They're no better than what it is that we've typically gotten, um, you know, with these elections. And so, you know, they, but they paint themselves as the progressive candidate. So you go, you go there because, well, they, they seem like good people. Um, and then again, we have class interests. So there are black people who vote in favor of the white ruling class because of what it might get them. And so, um, you know, that's, these are the kinds of situations that we end up finding ourselves in, either being sold out by, um, you know, the black middle class, I, that's what's happening. Um, we're being sold out or, you know, we're, we're just, we have nothing to vote for. So we just turn our backs on it completely. Um, so that's what I would say. That's what I've experienced as being out. Okay. Now the next one is uh, going to number five, halfway through. Create a people-based budget to improve the quality of life in our city. Mm-hmm. it's in your city yeah so right now we have a budget like i said one fifth of it is being spent towards the police and all this other frivolous spending that has nothing to do with the needs of the people and you know the city government often tells us that well we can't create affordable housing at the time at the moment or what they what they actually have said which is this really offensive um plan that they've developed is that we're going to generate $60 million over a 10 year period to create affordable housing. 10 years when these people won't even be in office anymore, $60 million. Like I, I have to reiterate, they just spent over a hundred million dollars to build a new police station right across the street from the current one with solar panels. That's what they just spent over a hundred million dollars for within a year. And you're telling me that we're going to generate $60 million worth of affordable housing over 10 year period. Nah, you know, that's ridiculous. So the city budget needs to prioritize the needs of the people. And that with that being said, all the frivolous spending that, you know, the government is doing, spending money on, you know, um, artwork, sculptures and, and, and more police and, and uh, to make this place more attractive to real estate developers. We're saying that money needs to be allocated to reparations and economic development, that uh, those resources need to be allocated to creating actually community-based programs, you know, whether it be healthcare programs, different kinds of wellness programs, food programs, educational programs, like that's what the people want to see in their city, what people are calling for. That's what the budget needs to be going to. Um, the budget needs to be, you know, re- repurposed so that we can be dealing with the environmental issues within our city, you know, where uh, capitalist extraction and exploitation is what's killing the environment in this city and everywhere else. The only way to fix the environment and, and, and to, you know, create a situation where what we're doing is environmentally friendly is, of course, again, restructuring our budget so that it benefits and improves the quality of life for the people. 
So that's what we're saying. And that's what makes sense. Why wouldn't a budget that the people have that, you know, put their tax dollars into every single day, that the budget would not represent the interests and needs and aspirations of the people versus big developers coming in from out of town who, you know, want to just make sure that this place is, is good enough for them to build because they know they're going to they're gonna make money from it. That's, that's absurd, you know? So we want to restructure the budget. It has to meet the needs of the people and especially the needs of the Black community. So simply, that's what it means. It's, it's what the budget's supposed to be used for. It's just what they're not doing with it. Thank you for clarifying that, most definitely. I, I've learned something on that part because I didn't... <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure, like I said, like everything you're saying, I know for a fact, it's just, just you're not the only city or district that's operating like that. Um, the city all over America operating like this. So when people listen to this, they need to think about their city as well and, and yours and others. But the mm-hmm. thing about us is this, if we could prevail in any district, any city, they give hope to other cities in every state and every you know in every state in every city in a lot of people community because if it works in the past and hopefully we keep on pushing no matter where this you already in my eyes you already a winner because you actually decide to stand up in your community and the thing about it is um that's the old saying and i like this you want to be the change that you want to see you know if you want to see change if you don't like it you deciding at your age young age you said well i'm gonna do something about it i'm not gonna wait somebody who don't look like me or don't care nothing about me go do it why don't i do it and then i know a lot of people begin to wake up and say, hey we got certain people in office now they don't know nothing so i might as well go around too that I, I can't be no worse than this and so actually when people right. your age not ethnic it's gonna bring hope to rise but eventually people who down the bottom they're gonna start fighting back and which they are fighting back and they will continue to push until they win and that's more of us than it is of them Let's face it, it's more people of middle class and poverty than it is people of great wealth. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, people go out overrule your money. The, at the end of the day, because money is, is a tool, but money isn't everything. Money is not the real power. The people, we the people are the real power behind money. Exactly. Money just exactly. is motivated, but we actually want to go out there and get the job done. Yo, you know, right. if, if these people who got money, if people like me and you, that's how, you know what? I don't work for you anymore. You won't have no exactly. money, but they won't make no more money. You know, cause I do say, well, they had to sign it. Yeah, they signed them checks, but they signed the checks about, if they wouldn't have them checks. They want for people like me and you out there working. So they need us. It's a circle. Life right. is a circle. Money is called cash flow. It moves in a circle. So you need people work. You need people paying. We all, in order for people to pay, somebody got to work. So the person who got all the money, the whole author cause like people think that, well, they got the money. Yeah, they money can't do nothing. Cause they go get out their ass and get to work and do it themselves. They don't even have a skill set. A lot of people got money. They don't have a skill set to do it. They paying you right. to do the job. But if you don't right. do it, who go do it? So they right. can probably, they gonna be they gonna be hungry too if they don't know how to get out there and work because they need uh good employees or call slaves slash slaves to go out there and do the work for them because they ain't gonna get out their ass and do it. Hmm. And so and, and so let's face it, it's a hand in hand. They just cause they got money, I mean they're holding the chips. You know what I'm saying? That don't that don't mean anything. You know, you yeah. <laughs> People survive years without money. You, you have your own land, and the thing about it is, when you when you don't got your own land, you become very poor. Because when you have your own land, you can farm and fish and do things you need to do to eat and survive. But when you don't have no land, like what a lot of people doing, taking people, black people, land and turn it to cities and buildings, then you know, then you you getting, you know, then you go have to uh, go out there and go to the grocery store and stuff. But you can't survive 
to a certain extent without money. Money is not, is not everything. People just need to stop selling their morals and values for money, like the politicians have done. So um, <clears throat> we're going on to number six. Build women's health programs to address disparities faced by black mothers and children, which is a very important this day and time for having single parents, not just black, but a lot of communities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was really um, inspired by, well, one, Ann Hirsch is a midwife. Um, and, you know, so she, um, this was really inspired by one of, you know, this a, a black woman that we met um, who has worked with Anne just in, this, in the midwifery, midwifery scene. And um, she has this place called the perinatal safe space, which is a place where, um, you know, black mothers can come and get the support that, you know, they often wouldn't get anywhere else, that we don't have like support programs for black mothers, whether they're pregnant, having just given birth, or, you know, their kids they have grown and, you know, just need the support of other black women, need advice, need, um, you know, resources, medical resources, all these different kinds of things. And in Pinellas County in particular, um, we learned that 11 out of a thousand um, of babies born to black women die in childbirth. And that's, you know, that's one of the highest international rates, you know, of, of babies. And that's three times higher than the white community where 11 black babies, 11 out of a thousand black babies die in childbirth. And, um, you know, what happens though is in, in so many different cases, you know, they, these different programs, these government initiated programs or and something that's not sponsored or funded by the people or supported by the people, they end up using the statistics of our community in order to get funding, in order to get more support. And so it's not, they're not addressing these disparities because, you know, they actually intend to do something about it. They're only addressing them because it, of what, what it will do to benefit them. But obviously we have to deal with this. We have to be able to deal with the fact that there is we have to solve, fix the fact that 11 out of a thousand black babies die in childbirth. We have, we have, we can't just be satisfied and that will only increase over um, time at the rate that we're going. And so we felt that it was really important to put this in our platform that, um, you know, the health of black women and, you know, is really critical and that we have to be able to fund programs, community programs like the perinatal safe space. And that, you know, again, the problems, the solutions to these problems are in our community. That there are people in our community that have the expertise and that have the will, but they don't have the resources. They don't have you know, the, the, the buildings and all this kind of stuff to be able to carry these different programs out. So we wanna be able to support these types of programs um, and support women's health. You know, there's all the, you know, in the, in the mainstream today, they're ta- women's health is being talked about every day. Um, about reproductive rights and all these different kinds of things. Well, we have to be able to address those the disparities within health, within the Black community, and especially with Black women, um, because these disparities exist all throughout this country, where, you know, the infant mortality rate and all those things um, are, uh, you know, heavily impact the Black community more so than any other community. So um, we want to be able to put forth these programs and um, support different community-based initiatives like the ones of this sister I was talking about with perinatal safe space. So that's why it's on our platform. And that, you know, these, these corporations and these, you know, these fake charity programs and all this kind of stuff can't keep using Black people in our statistics to make more money. Like this, you know, the statistics are out there. We have to actually begin to solve the problem. So 
that's why it's on our platform and these are the different kinds of things we want to do to address them so thank you for that very 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 good very very good information i'm glad you broke that down to a science that's why i'm you going through this like ain't nothing so i have nothing to, <laughs> to, to say about that too much is that i can say this though i have a uh, I'm from a single uh, parent, mother, whatever. And um, it takes a lot to uh, to raise kids and things of that nature, especially when the, the main one of the main reason that some mothers are, uh, are single is because um, the lack of manhood, because of a lot of men's been locked up or whatever. And you have uh, like young boys trying to be men, they're not, but since they don't have no father in the house because they've been locked up. Uh, so to speak, or whatever may happen, um, it causes the mothers to be single and have uh, problems as well. And when they do get financial support from the government as well, um, like as a lot of people know, they can't have a man present or they save right. much right. money to get right. the help that you need. And the house need a man. And the thing about the worst thing about it is, is that a lot of black men have a hard time. If they get any kind of crime, a lot of people won't hire them where mm-hmm. they can be able to get the job or a proper job to help take care of their kids. So that's another struggle within itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so that, 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 that's, so that's one reason why we do it. It's a point in time. Do women do need uh better help since the system designed to be fixed up of the end of the system. So, but right now for them to survive that, that that's, that's a program that ain't going to need to be needed. Until we, like I said, follow that, or until we figure out a way to to get rid of that system loophole, uh, which is which is which is crazy. They know what they're doing, mm-hmm. so that's why a lot of changes got to be made. So a lot of women, um, hopefully, they won't fall prey to that system being a single parent, or either a man can be able to have um, uh, the ability to take care of his kid. Why have to try to sell drugs? I can't find a job, or where they may be doing, and. Because another one's going to be very, very important. It's more important than any of them. It's just as important as all of them, really. All of them very important. It's fits in the education system. So uh, Pinellas County, which that's the, the way the education system works here is that um, education is dealt with by with the county. And it's not te- technically a city, um, uh, like city uh, operated um, type of um, system. So and that's, that's an excuse that the government gives. The city government says, well, um, the situation with the education system, you know, it's on the county, it's not on us, so we can't do anything about it. And of course, that, that's unacceptable. You know, that there are schools that fall within the city limits and that, you know, if they're a part of Pinellas County and they are, um, you know, schools that are in, in the process of brutalizing black children by the existence of these police officers on the school campus, you know, if they're failing black children, that we owe it to the residents, um, you know, of the city of St. Pete to say that we're going to take responsibility for our schools. And that if the county is not doing it, which they're not, and they prove time and time again that they won't, that we have to take responsibility for that. So we believe in Black community control of the schools, which means that any school within the Black community would be, um, you know, operated and controlled by the Black community. The curriculum will be set by the Black community. We'll hire more Black teachers so that one, Black children are being taught, you know, an education that's not teaching them something that's opposed to them, which is what we're often taught. We go to these schools and we learn um, these different things that 
end up attacking our community or things that, um, you know, just that have nothing to do or pertaining to us. And we go into these school campuses that are really hostile with, you know, um, these white nationalist teachers, you know, who, um, you know, just, they really give our children a hard time on these school campuses. They even call the police on our children. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, this is what black community control of education looks like that we, the black community will then take responsibility for the education of our children and make sure that our children are receiving a quality education and that we're ending the whole uh, preschool to prison pipeline. You know, that's what we want to get right in front of. And we want the immediate removal of police officers from school campuses because one, they're the police officers, they, you know, on, I've never seen a police officer on a white community uh, school, white school campus, um, a majority white school. And, you know, they, meanwhile, they have about, you know, at least uh, six to 10 police officers on a black, a majority black school campus. And they're all armed to the T, you know, with the batons, with the mace, with the gun, with the taser, they got everything. And for children, and these, I mean, they're not just on high school campuses, they're on middle school campuses, they're on elementary school campuses, you know, and then, um, the just the whole the, the statistics that come out of Pinellas County about the, the education system they call it the failure factories here and again it's one of those things where they blame the black community for the 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 poor results of the um the, the, the county education system but that's not what it is it's a system that is attacking black children and um it has it doesn't actually have the interests of the, of the black community at heart so of course, that's how it functions. It turns out um, that, you know, Black children are arrested on school campus, um, you know, are 22, oh, I, I forget the statistics, but, you know, obviously their, their white um, uh, peers in school don't get arrested. Um, and, um, you know, the detention rate of Black children, you know, being put in detention, it's, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And again, the city government's response to it is, oh, well, we can't do anything about it. Well, we have, we, we can't allow that. These kids, they live in St. Pete. These parents, they live in St. Pete and these schools are in St. Petersburg and if the county is not gonna step up and do its job. We gotta fight the county and we gotta fight to make these schools a place where they're productive to our children. Our children are learning something that means um, some, you know, means something to them and where it's preparing them for life. You know, it's, and it's all these programs and that we could have where, cause I, I you know, I can't, I, don't, I can't tell you anything that I learned from school that was actually beneficial uh, for me. That's why I didn't go off to pursue a college education. There was nothing that was um, particularly beneficial about uh, being in these schools institutions that didn't teach me anything and that didn't really teach me any life skills. And we want to change that. The black community should be able to benefit from spending, you know, where ch children are spending, um, you know, majority of their childhood in these, uh, in these institutions. They have to be beneficial to them. So black community control of schools, that's our solution and taking responsibility for the schools that fall within the city of St. Pete. I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I didn't learn nothing in school either. Uh, that book stuff don't work. It, it, it don't teach enough, first of all, to go help, help, uh, help the mindset of black people teach how important it is. There's a bunch of lies in the book anyway when it comes to history. Uh, a bunch of silly stuff. Then they, uh, when I was going to school, they kept teaching the same. How long you got to take math? How long am I going to stand mad? But dang, how long you got to take reading? You should have to take reading all through your life. A lot of people don't, average, people don't even speak or talk or write like that anymore. I mean, nobody uses that stuff. And math is the only thing that people probably need the good when it comes kind of money and stuff. But some of the other stuff does not apply to everyday life. 
The only thing I liked about school is it was it was lunch and the the hand on experience thing, the things I did, like automotive mechanic. Because black people we look we good at learning when we put our hand. The best way of learning life is through experience. Automotive mechanic, welding, those type of craft. That's why sports are so big in, in sports and in and music is big in the school district because people are actually doing something besides sitting down in the room with nothing because you know, it's fun. People like basketball for it's fun. You learn as a team and everything's about learning team building. But other things sitting down at a desk and reading this and that and you don't have no evidence that this is true or not just because it's in the book don't mean it's true. But you know, people learn from experiences in life. If you want to learn something, you got to go out there and do it. School need more hands-on experiences about how to survive. Uh, Boy Scouts, that's a good thing. You know, bring that back. Man, everybody should have know how to hunt and fish and sewing. And, and so I, I, I like the electives in schools. I don't think I like because I had hand-on experience. You really don't learn nothing from books more. You got a lot of people got books sense and books more. They go out there, they can't do the physical where they can't do anything. Or oh, they got a PhD in this, but all they do is memorizing what somebody told them is true. That's all you're doing and just reciting them. But that don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean it's true. You don't know it's really true that you go out there and do the research yourself. Like a lot of stuff they teach us. They don't teach. They don't teach the truth about Martin King. I didn't know Martin King. That one his real name. I didn't know he his name was changed. I think about who was age five or five months like that. That daddy changed his name. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know that Martin King was also the white man came out and announced that. But Martin King, he didn't die immediately. He he probably would have died, but he died because a guy uh, smothered him in the hospital and killed him. He probably would die slowly, but when he killed him off real fast by smothering. And it's all on YouTube. And uh, this is inside information. And then, like, one thing they didn't like Martin King's man because Martin King talked about reparation. The reparation would really got him killed. One of the things got him killed reparation. He started talking like Malcolm X in the last part of his terms. A lot of people think, oh, no, nah, he was talking about money. Remember, Malcolm X talking about reparation later on. Martin King started sounding just like Malcolm X. When he said, after he said, I put my people in a burning house. You start demanding people and calling white people out and saying we need reparation. And they realize then we have to get rid of them. <laughs> that's what I mean when you when you really well, that's two things that I understand that 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 the black that white people or, or white supremacists understand. That's bloodshed and money. Those two. They always understand it's all about money and bloodshed. If you're not trying to mess with their money, or you they not feeling threatened by you physically. They don't care what you got to say. But when you start affecting them financially, then they get concerned and then they start getting worried or physically. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed because the truth matters is we have to fight uh, for what we want. You know, it's not over yet. It's not the war. It's not over. We have to fight. And one thing you can do, we can fight like they're doing is they fight political, which is also financially mainly. You know, it's a fine, politics and finance the same thing. Like I tell people, Politics and religion is the same thing. It's a belief system that does not work for neither one of the people. All the people wearing suits, they wear neckties, they tell them what you want to hear, and they lying to get your money to do what they want to do with it. From the preachers to the politicians, it's a belief system that's not working for the people that we are bought into, a white belief system. So there's no difference between politics and, and religion. It's both a form of belief, and people need to understand that. And I'm pretty sure you understand that, don't you, Mr. Reef? We, um, you know, in the Uhura movement, uh, the chairman, um, we, you know, we say politics is concentrated economics. 
you know, and, um, you know, that's what it is at the end of the day where we've been talking about, you know, the money dominates the whole discussion. Um, it controls the agenda, the politic that's being discussed. Like that's, it's all concentrated economics. And um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that's our position. And, you know, we, we, we see that to be the case. We see it out in the real world. Like that's how it works, you know. Well, racism is in it. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> that's part of because they keep money out to black people much as possible if you do get right. it make sure they get it back and if they do get it you'll work they make sure you spend your money while raising house right they get their money back some form of fair with a swepto or whatever the name of the electric company is how they getting it back they making sure they get you as soon as you get it, you get it right back to them mm-hmm. yeah it's form of control so you just barely survive like like a slave or a hobo so um all right, now I, I hate. I like. I know what this one is. I can't stand this one either. Sewage and water bills. Tax developers, not the people. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned um, a little bit about the. Uh, we had a sewage crisis here, where a billion gallons of sewage was dumped into uh, the water of the people, and um, that happened as a consequence of this mayor. Um, an audit actually uh, came because there's sewage plants here and one there was a critical sewage plant the Albert Witted sewage plant that the mayor closed despite an audit um, that came out that warned him against closing the plant saying this is what could happen if you close that plant and um, of course the mayor who who's only who's so just profit driven um, who works for big developers he closed that land because of the fact that it's prime real estate that greed and you know capitalism closed down Albert Witted sewage plant, and when they closed that down, the sewage, you know, the 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 capacity the capacity to treat sewage, um, it was, I mean, we we lost it. It was over. It overflowed, and um, you know, this mayor, he so he he made the decision to dump it first in uh, the black community in a place called Clam Bayou. He dumped it there first and then into the Tampa Bay at large. And even today, when it rains uh, too hard, you know, sewage can be spilling up from, pe- from manholes in the streets, you know, uh, where thousands of gallons can be spilled within a matter of hours, just because, just depending on how hard it rains. And we live in Florida, so it rains, you know, pretty off and on uh, very consistently. So, um, and in response, so instead of, you know, uh, working, spending money on fixing the sewage infrastructure, because it's, it's dilapidated, hasn't been worked on since 1972. You know, instead of fixing the sewage infrastructure and putting pu- putting money into those res- um, resources into a project such as that, what they began to do is they raised the utility bills of the people and um, are you know forcing you know homeowners and the people to pay for that for the sewage bill. So instead of um, you know, the mayor coming out of his own pocket, his own salary and paying for what he did, um, you know, or even the big developers that he's allowing to come into the city to build on an already strained sewage infrastructure, you know, where they're building, you know, these, again, these high rises, these condominiums, these skyscrapers that they're building in the city of St. Pete that are, that can do nothing but put pressure on the aged sewage infrastructure you know, but the, but they want to say that the the crisis of the environment and everything, that that's you know the people are to blame for that. So now we have to pay for what this government did, and we're calling for you know 
of the taxing of developers. Anybody wants to come in here and develop on this land, they need to pay a, um, a tax to the city to invest in the city where they just, you know, can't come in here and build, extract money, leave. Like they have to come invest and that those resources go to, you know, fixing the sewage infrastructure. And that we also want to uh, reopen a criminal investigation of, the, uh, of this mayor, of his administration, uh, for the crime they committed of dumping for, like I said, those over 80 felonies and over 100 misdemeanors that were committed, there needs to be a criminal investigation of this administration. And somebody has to go to jail for that. And I have the perfect person lined up for them. So, um, you know, that's, these, are the, these are the things that we want to do. And we know that through this process, we can actually fix the sewage infrastructure. Again, reprioritizing our budget, allocating resources to actually fixing them, reopening the sewage plant. And, begin, and beginning to solve those problems. Workers' power, putting the power into the hands of workers um, who warned this government what would happen if they closed down that sewage plant and they totally um, ignored them. And, uh, the, and then the workers were the ones who had to go out in, you know, in uh, these, in equipment, like no hazmat suits or anything like that and sewage and, you know, and clean up and all this kind of stuff. So their lives were put at risk in order um, to, to fix this problem as well. So that's what we mean by taxi developers, not the people. The people should not have to pay for what happened um, with that sewage spill. That it's on um, this mayor, it's on this administration, and it's on the developers that come in the city that continue to build on this strained infrastructure. So. I agree. This is like the type of flint situation, basically, with a bar down to. They won't push the, the responsibility on the tax period when they had nothing to do with that, and the people in the community had nothing to do with that spill. And they right. getting away with us. You can ask for that. And all that nineteen seventy two is a long time. That's a that's not updated. That the city should get sued for that, but not suing the people. <laughs> should see the people in charge. You right. you you doing crime? Girl, you know if it was us, if it, if you was a homeowner, and your sewage was running out of somebody's property and it wasn't right, they will find you for that. You know they'll find you that, not the, per, the person who did it, not the innocent people. And that's why I think about like the system. The system is designed where it's going to take money. It's going to charge you for something that you didn't do something that they did and raise your prices like it's your fault and it's not your fault. And you put those people in, in, in uh, a health risk. I think everybody in the community should sue that city and everybody yeah. should sign a petition sue and need to go ahead and talk about getting a legal team, getting this lawsuit and sue the city for, Hey, we ain't paying this bill and you need to fix this problem for putting our health in jeopardy. That's that's that you pay me for exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. What kind of shit is that? You need to wake people up in your city, man. People need to start talking. Hey, we're going to sue your ass. No offense. <laughs> you ain't going to have me. You ain't going to put poison in my water and have me pay for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got a nonsense, you know? This, yeah, this, you poison me. Sense. You want me to pay for it. Right. And my health going down. You want me to pay taxes. And, and nine times out of ten, I guarantee the Monday when they raise the taxes, they're not doing nothing to fix the sewage problem. No. So what you doing no. with that tax money? You got to be paying the high tax. Are you fixing the sewage problem? 1972 is a long time. I wasn't even born in 1972. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've inherited this problem. You did. Huh? Right. So I've inherited this problem. <laughs> yeah, you, I inherited the problem. You, first of all, it's out of date. The system's out of date. Then number two, you go dump some stuff in the water. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. <laughs> Y'all need to sign a petition. Go ahead and get a lawsuit on. I'll sue, 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 sue. I want free water for a lawsuit. <laughs> free clean water. I mean, I'm saying, that's a flip. That's a flip. That's a flip situation. Another yeah. flip. 
It really mm-hmm. is. That's, 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 that's dangerous to people's health. And yeah. you're not probably not even fits in the thing. That's something you should have been, that's a responsibility the city should be doing a long time ago. Yeah. It's not the people's fault because you got them paying taxes. You not, now the taxes is supposed to be, the sewage taxes, it should be keep the sewage line updated anyway. So why be paying mm-hmm. it if you're not going to use the money to keep it updated? And right. then, you go, then you go turn around and, and dump some stuff in the, in the water. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. I'm sorry. We, you need to get a petition going and a lawsuit. The community. Yeah. You better go to door to door and get that real easy. Get your lawyers outside who's not, who not yeah. who's not within that community who's not gonna sell out and say we're gonna sue the city for uh sewage. And sewage and get like I said, get an investigation going. You have to get some outside investigators. You can't get no sell out investigators. Mm-mm. You gotta get some people who who not bought out some independent people go out there and test the waters and stuff. See if yeah, because that's that's what happened the first time. They got somebody who is in, internal who works for them yeah. to come out and say, "Well, yeah, all these crimes were committed, but uh, we can't really point the finger at one individual." So mm-hmm. we're just gonna drop it. Yeah, they lying. That's like a police investigating themselves. They do a crime, police department. We gonna, we gonna investigate to say, you know, you ain't go, you ain't gonna criminalize yourself. What kind of nonsense right. is that? Who gonna criminalize themselves? Right, because they'll get sued. The city gets sued, and everything goes on. Nobody ain't trying to get sued. Okay, get that. Get something going where they get sued. Hope we get the investigation. They could probably raise some money to get that done. I'm glad you said you get somebody investigate that. They need to. They need to be shut down. Like like when you got jobs and business. If you're if you're if if it's sanitized OSHA, they know OSHA. They'll shut you down and stuff like that. The health department. That yeah. shut you down. That's the healthiest. Mm-hmm. But since so they can paid up out of city, they ain't gonna say nothing probably. But we can find somebody who who can get that going as soon as possible, or get any worse. But that's just a. Mm-mm. I'm glad you point that out. People watch this, share this, subscribe, and when I do this video, when I upload it, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm tag in so you can share it to your people and your page as well. Because this okay. is a great interview. You giving a lot of information. I saw you in Phil's interview, and y'all was like 20 minutes long. But this has got to be longer because we are actually going through it and breaking it down piece by piece. Yeah. And that's so it's more thorough. So I'm loving it. When I know Phil kept down to 20 minutes, like you said, because of the attention span. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a good interview, though. But I yeah. It was a great interview. But think about it, when you do interviews sometimes, uh, looking at his ratings, a lot of people, when it comes to interview, you don't get as much uh, viewership as it does. When you go out there just doing short video, talking right. about, you know, because uh, a lot of people love to hear about racism stuff. People feel about that whether it's on both ends. They love to hear about racism, stuff, but when it's coming to some educational, when people when feel bring people on, it's very educational. People don't want to tune in and listen as much. You got quite a bit. You got a million subscribers, but you got a million subscribers and you only get like 17,000 views for interview, you know, when you're interviewing people, you only get 17, 17 viewers, but then when you do other things, you get like, oh, 300,000, so thousand million subscribers, it's kind of, you kind of want to, what's, you know, you, you know what people's attention span is and what they focus on. You know, these are solutions that you give. But, you know, it's a lot easier to hear point and blame and tell them how bad the community, how bad black people been done, but when it comes to solutions like what you're doing, nobody wants to really to 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 seem like they're going to be educated because it's, it's about you getting out and you taking responsibility. When black people are voting on you, they're actually taking responsibility and accountability for themselves. Voting for you is helping 
take care of responsibility of themselves and their community because it was going to boil down to and get people in there who can do it. And this is called, this is a form of taking responsibility as black yeah. people. Am I right or wrong? That's right. This is, I mean, it's the people's responsibility. I'm just a voice. I can, all I can do is say this stuff and, and go out here and do the work to build a movement. But you know, it's, it's everybody's responsibility who wants to see this future that I'm talking about. It's on you. You got to do it. You got to help me do this. Yeah. You can't do it all by yourself. And, and, and a lot of people got to understand that though. You know, you, you know, everybody say, Oh, you just talk away. Well, yeah, of course. But if you're not going to help get me in the position where I can do more for you, that's all it's going to, far as it's going to do. But in the day, you still helping the community. I'm sure you've been helping the community way before that, but you would help community on a bigger, bigger platform or mm-hmm. in a bigger way, in a greater way. And so you're not there voting and help donating so you can stay on the platform with the money seekers so you can help fund your money so you can stay on the debate team, whatever you got to do to get out there. That's what they need to do. And like I said, a dollar a month, $2 a month, $5 a month, it's not a whole lot of money. But collected, it's a lot of money. If if, if you got 10000 or 5000 people putting all their money together, that's a lot of money in a small yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So people need to understand it's not a lot of money, but it is a lot of money if you like by pitching in to become a lot of money. You, you know, do the math. <laughs> Learn it how to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Workers power of city. Let's say uh, workers power for city workers. That's number nine. So we almost finished. All right. So yeah, workers power. You know, there's the whole um, the struggle for fight for 15 and all this kind of stuff that's happening around the, um, the country. And, you know, we just really wanted to take a step further. One, we believe in living wages um, for uh, all workers. But for city workers, this really was important, especially um, in regards to this whole sewage uh, spill. Because as I mentioned, um, you know, it was the workers who had to bear the brunt of like going in and cleaning up the place and and dealing with that in these hazardous conditions. And um, we have to... And, you know, and then, you know, who was there to advocate for the workers? And also, like I said, the workers said, do not close the sewage plant down because this is what it will do. That, because the expertise is among the workers, because the, you know, the, the knowledge and everything is among the workers. The workers know how to do their job. And that workers have to have power in their job because what happened was when that sewage was dumped, you know, and, and, and they tried to come out and complain, you know, they were threatened. Their jobs were threatened. They were told, if you say anything, if you whistle blow, you'll be fired. You know, like a, a kind of intimidation tactic that were used against the workers to make sure that the corruption of the government could not be revealed. You know, that that can't happen. That the, that the workers have to be able to um, express power in their workplace. That they have to be able to set their own demands for what they're willing to do. You know, and that this is the equipment. This is what I require in order to do my job. Because there's no reason why, you know, those uh, workers... Uh, should have gone should have not gone out with the proper equipment that they needed to even secure their own health um before they did that kind of uh, work and that they're not and that they're being compensated the value of their labor that they have you know the work that they do that the stuff that they you know yeah the stuff that they contribute to society on a daily basis because it's the workers that keep this city operating it's not even the city of elected officials it's the workers that keep this place operating on a daily basis and so you know they have to have a living wage they have to be able to have power um, to be able to say, this is what we will do, this is what we won't do, this is what we require, and um, that if they have any issues within that department, if they have any complaints that they need to make about elected city officials, if 
they should be able to do that in confidence without thinking that their life hang i mean their their um job hangs in the balance which is their life their job and their life hangs in the balance um if they want to express a complaint because in this particular department of water resources you know they fired the top ranking black official he had to take the fall for the sewage crisis and the black people in water research department are constantly harassed there was an instance where you know a white man uh, spray painted kkk on the black of a black uh, workers um you know jacket like and and so black people are constantly attacked within this department and if the workers have power that that would not happen so it, it's, it's not enough to just say you know um that we want to you know uh you know want to promise a certain amount of money over a certain period of time for workers that know this is what has to happen and that workers have to have power in their own hands like because that's the one these are the people that make the, the stuff happen for the city on a daily basis and you know they are they're uh intimidated um into corners and and not able to to do what needs to be done for the city in, in order to maintain the corruption that happens here because the city workers have the ability to they would say that the big development the the the, the selling out the city to high um to, to big developers in new york and miami has to stop Otherwise, you know, this city will turn into this such and such a place. I'm sure the workers have those kinds of complaints and those kinds of fears, and they're not able to come to the surface because the government controls them. And, um, you know, so we want to end that. We want to end the people with the expertise and the ones who do all the labor should be able to say this is what needs to happen. So workers' power, that's what we're fighting for. Oh, wow. Whew, you got a lot of energy, young lady. <laughs> you got the type of energy people need. You you got diehard energy and your educational, your your understanding educational of what's going on in the city is very well rounded because a lot of black people and I was guilty of this. I'm I still learn a lot about the city. A lot of black people don't understand local levels of government and, and how it works from a local level. They do vote for president, but the actual the most everyday person in poverty of any, probably any race, don't really understand how things work within a city and, and the local government because they don't pay attention to it, and they don't understand of of of, of how money works or how anything works and say how they know is always oh, sound good. Let's go out there and vote. They said they go do this, but don't understand uh, how it can and will not or will not work within a community based on what they've been heard hearing. <clears throat> So we have the last last question, young lady. Last thing you'll go over because we've given some great information. It's the automatic restoration of voting rights for people with felonies who have been released from incarceration, which is a very powerful platform because I will make this statement real quick before you get started. Uh, I work at a company who hire people, you know, um, with felonies. Um, so to speak in, in things but I also know as well and a lot of people have caught on is that even though the people have given jobs um, the respect level and the pay level doesn't change much mm-hmm. and mainly I think in my opinion is that they hire people with those type of backgrounds the companies that does it because they know that it's hard for those people to find jobs in other places and they used right. to take advantage of the disadvantage of the system. That's another word that's called, I call this systematic racism, where you know you can hire people and uh, with certain backgrounds that know they can't really work much else, so they'll have to take what they can get. 
mm-hmm. in order to uh, treat them kind of way. Right, treat any kind of way that you do have benefits stuff, but it's not very high paid, but you got a benefit because it's a little bit better than McDonald's and other places. You know what I'm saying? So you will take it and you more like, and if you do want to leave a quit, where are you going to go? So that is a problem I know that's probably everywhere, but mm-hmm. I don't know what I was you finna say. So let me hear what you're what you going to say because I'm just saying this is based on the experience and what I've seen. Yeah, well, I've mentioned in the, when we talk about the rigged elections, you know, a form of voter suppression of the black community is this whole question of um, the restoration of felons' rights. And that, you know, there's no debate about who is the one majority, in, majority impacted by um, felony convictions and, you know, our rights being taken away from us. That's the black community. And, you know, I even, like I said, I go door to door, make phone calls, like, this is a people's movement. So I'm out in the streets all the time talking to as many people as possible and trying to activate, um, you know, new voters um, and vote people who have, who stopped voting, you know, to try to bring them into this process and, um, you know, and get them to vote in this election. And every, you know, and majority of the doors that I've not gone in the black community where a black man answers, he says he can't vote. And then he says my, my wife can, or my sister can, or my mama can or somebody, but he can't. And that, that's from all age, all age backgrounds. I'm talking to people who are 18 up to, you know, 60, 70 years old who cannot vote, who are still, uh, who, you know, have, have served their time, have done what they're supposed to do and have, and are out now and have, still have to wear this felony conviction for the rest of their lives. And again, I mean, the charges that we even go in with, you know, these false trumped up charges most of the time. And it's just, I mean, the police occupy in our community. They're sitting on every street corner waiting, just foaming at the mouth for their opportunity to throw another one of us in jail. So, you know, this is the nature of the relationship and this is the outcome. And that the, the state of Florida, the people in the state voted overwhelmingly for the automatic uh, restoration of felons' rights. And this legislature, this, uh, the Florida government, you basically backtracked it all and they put in these new stipulations that said you have to have paid all court fines, restitution, and all these different kinds of things in order for your, um, in order for your uh, rights to be officially restored. And for even people to find out about whether or not they have, you know, fees that they have to pay for, et cetera. Like, it, I mean, it just really makes this impossible, especially for the, you know, the, just the black working class, you know, who is just struggling to be able to live on a daily basis. And you know, now they have to go through these hoops and, and, and um, all these lengths in order to restore their rights. And eventually some people just, it's so difficult, they just give up. They just, I don't want, you know, it's too much to deal with. So, you know, that we want to fight the state on this. We want to um, fight the Florida legislation for, you know, these new, these new stipulations that they put into um, the, this, um, this bill. And, you know, um, we want to challenge it most certainly and again we're building a people's movement and it encompasses everyone including people who can't vote for whatever reason that this movement is a responsibility people who can't go to the ballot box on august 27th that if you can't do that that's even more reason for you to join this campaign because it's fighting for you to be able to do something like that in the future and it's fighting for um it's fighting to end situation where police are in our community just waiting to lock black people up that's what this whole thing is about so um, you know, we encourage everyone to join this campaign. Again, if you're not, if you're not in St. Pete, you can't vote. Um, 
and even if you can't vote anywhere just because for the simple fact of what I'm talking about, um, they've taken your rights away. This is a campaign that you got to support because, you know, this campaign is attempting to lay the foundation and what for what it looks like uh, to fight with a platform like this to be able to win and how to be able to carry it out in other cities and other places. So, um, you know, that's what we're that's what we're doing. We want everybody a part of this. All people who are labeled felons, we want you a part of this campaign. And um, we're going to fight the, the state on this question and, and fight for the automatic restoration of felons' rights. I agree. One thing a lot of people don't know, a guy will tell me, um, his name was uh, John L. Brown. He did a book called uh, Mentally Blind, Open Your Eyes. And he was talking about this in his book about uh, crimes and with people with felony charges. He said, there are some things you can't do. Uh, one thing people who felony charges, you can't help a campaign by donating money or giving to somebody who can donate money. That's, a, that's, a, that's another way of participating is to at least donate money, any amount of money. If you, you know, like I said, whatever you got to do, get the money, donate to our campaign to help us lift. And another thing is I agree, we should change that when people, this is, this is not, it's everywhere, really. People who have started time to get those, those, those demonized criminal charges off of them felons where they can go out there and vote. And another, also another thing a lot of people didn't know, well, what John A. Brown was telling me, uh, he, he got Thank her uplifting community talk show, which is also on YouTube and on Facebook. You can check him out. I mean, he do great interviews. I was seeing those link, link, uh, Mr. Aretha to uplift communities, uh, talk show on YouTube. It's very good. It's very okay. informational. Talk about all kinds of things to help the uh, communities and help people, many people of color as well. And, um, and so anyway, um, most definitely because, um, another thing, People who got felony, I don't know. I think there's different types of of, of of felons. I'm not for sure. But that's something that's called a sponge. I know it costs some money, but mm-hmm. uh, people need to look in at programs too can uh, expunge some of the criminal uh, things off their background. I know it requires money, but it, I think it's also important as well. If you can get it as a sponge, um, get it, uh, those some of those felonies as sponge off your record. A lot of people do not know at all, and I didn't know what it was. He said, "Yeah, because uh, so one thing about the black community is lack of rep- representation, man, because they don't have the money and resources to do so. And uh, so, you know, so when they like when they get a call in the system, they don't got no lawyer who will represent them and have the money. They go get caught up and just sell out on anything of people who's not there benefit them. Says so one thing is is rep- lack representation, representation because of the lack of money." and funds to, to get a, a proper lawyer or somebody who will defend them when that's also the problem in the community as well. And he had pointed that out. And like I said, uh, getting it, find out how to get money to uh, programs to help get some people, uh, criminal backgrounds and sponges also is another way to help them get them back on the track in the system. And I know that's another way to help people. I know a lot of people don't, don't know what that is of uh, people who probably got family charged living in poor poverty. They know what a sponge is or, don't know how much they cost or what they what that is. I'm sure you do, Miss Aretha. Um, mm-hmm. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yes, and a lot of black people don't. And like I said, um, we're closing this interview out, and I want to thank you so much for coming on your journey with Andrew Love, <laughs> Miss Aretha Akali, Akali, right? Kenyan. Akile. 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 Okay, Akile Kenyan. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. And I'm thank you for having me on the platform. You're very uh, beautiful, intelligent, inside and out. And I'm so happy to have you on my program. 
um, to talk and to share your knowledge and wisdom um, of your platform and with the people and the listeners and viewers as well. And I want to thank all of y'all and I want all of everybody to subscribe to this channel and I will post links of all her connections, how you can donate to her, uh, to her platform and all her websites that you can contact her and talk to her and reach out to her and all those things. And it'd be very greatly appreciated that you, you support her and Miss Anne as well. Uh, I don't know her, all her stuff, but I'm pretty sure you can find one. You find the other, um, as well. I might reach out to her and do an interview with her real soon. Yeah. So I'm glad I will do an interview and reach out to her as well. Uh, let her know I'm coming for her. All right. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause she's very important as well. And she's a, uh, 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 was a very, a very, uh, brilliant piece to your, to your, uh, to your, um, puzzle and playing. And so I want to thank you, uh, uh, Miss Aretha Akali, Akali, right? Akile. 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 <laughs> I'm going to need to learn to say, sorry, uh, for messing up your name. And, uh, is there anything you would like the viewers to know or share um, with them uh, that any message that I have not covered, the news people have covered, things that no one's looking at because you, you understand a political system. So is there anything you would like to touch on real quick before you end um, to, to let the people know about uh, questions that they've been asked, uh, things that people that's not looking at, or you pretty much summed it all up? I think, yeah, we discussed a lot in regards to this platform and, you know, how it's tackling the system of oppression. And, um, you know, I just really want to use this time to appreciate you, Andrew, and your journey and all the viewers that will watch this um, and who will support as a consequence of seeing this. I hope everyone was able to watch it, the whole thing, and be able to really hear in depth this platform and how practical it is. Um, because everything I said is not some far-fetched idea that we can't do tomorrow. It's something that we can do, and um, that we can't. No, we can no longer let the ruling class tell us that the demands of the people cannot be met. That what it is that we want to see for ourselves cannot be done, and that you know it's 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 nonsense that these things can happen. We just said this is how it's going to happen, and it just means that the ruling class won't be able to rule in the same old way anymore, um, and that. Also, the part of building a social movement is the most important part, because if you're running on a platform like this, this is not something that the government is just going to hand to you, and uh, that because we get elected, that all of a sudden, what we say, what we want to do in this platform is going to be realized. It's going to be a battle um, um, to the point of getting elected, inaugurated, and you know, up until actually getting this stuff passed as public policy in the city. Everything is going to be a fight. Everything is going to require mass mobilizations of people in this city and around the world. Like that's what it's going to require in order for these things to happen. But the point is it can happen. And that's what we have to recognize. As mentioned in, by you, Andrew, the power comes from the people. And the people, if we are able to apply pressure on this government, you know, that puts this, the government on notice, letting them know they can't operate in the same old way that you know, if they pass a law, a bill, or a, a, a policy, or anything in this city that comes against the interests of the um, people and it comes against the interests of the black community, they're gonna have a serious problem on their hands. That's what we're trying to create here. So, um, you know, thank you all so much. This is much bigger than the city of St. Pete. We're just trying to be the example of what everybody else can do. So, thank you. 
thank you as well. And thank you all for listening, tuning in to this program of, of your journey with Andrew Love. And like I said, please subscribe and uh, share this video with other people uh, anywhere. I don't care where you're at. Everybody can benefit from this. It's not just her city. This is all cities all over America like this. It's not the only one. She's not the only one. So don't just think about it. It's all about her. Cause it's not about her. It's about everybody. One start, you know, you just spread like wildfire. If we just continue to push, if there's hope for her district, hope for your district and everyone else's district. We need to understand yep. that collectively, this is possible for anybody and everybody, but you have to make it work. You can break, you can believe in God, Jesus, Bun, Santa Claus, how you want to, whatever you believe, but you have the power within you. If every individual, and I don't care how much money you think you may might not have, you can still do something even if you don't got money. And that's why pushing the agenda or either being like Mr. Aretha, Aretha uh, is either just running for yourself and donate, but we have the power to do it because we can, you can go out there and buy all these weeds and fingernails and Jordans or whatever you do, you have the power to do it. And we won't even ask you $60, or $100, or $200 to get back to the, so the people who don't care nothing about you, we just answer for a few dollars here and there, every now and then, five dollars a month, a dollar a day, a dollar a week, whatever you may have to offer, you can get it to her and get it done, and encourage other people in your community as well to have an open eye and and listen, and not to vote for those people who's not for you, and support everybody who's for you, financially, any form and fashion. Thank you, Miss Aretha, Akale, Akal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you for coming on the platform. You've been uh, most definitely uh, uh, wonderful on the platform. You have uplifted and you have uh, increased knowledge and wisdom uh, to my, me and other people as well. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day and hope and I believe your campaign will be prosperous and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. All right, goodbye. Bye-bye.